Another day is here, and this one is the 40th of the new year. It's February 9th, 2021, and welcome to another installment of the Charlottesville Community Engagement Newscast and Newsletter. I'm your host, Sean Tubbs, and I thank you for taking a listen to the program today. On today's show, the population of the Charlottesville area has grown by over 10% in the past 10 years. The Thomas Jefferson Planning District Commission says goodbye to Chip Boyles, and the Charlottesville City Council discusses the capital improvement budget for fiscal year 22. Today's Patreon-fueled shout-out is for the Plant Northern Piedmont Natives Campaign, an initiative that wants you to grow native plants in yards, farms, public spaces, and gardens in the Northern Piedmont. Native plants provide habitat, food sources for wildlife, ecosystem resiliency in the face of climate change, and clean water. Start at the Plant Northern Piedmont Natives Facebook page and tell them that Lonnie Murray sent you. In six days, Chip Boyles will officially become Charlottesville's city manager. Last Thursday, the Board of Commissioners of the Thomas Jefferson Planning District Commission said goodbye to Boyles in his capacity as their executive director. He has been there since April 2014. Green County Supervisor Dale Herring is vice chair of the TJPDC Board of Commissioners, and he read from a proclamation. Whereas the influence and reputation of the TJPDC and the quality of programs and services during Chip's tenure has been greatly enhanced by the vision, skills, and passion he brought to the TJPDC's mission. Therefore, be resolved, the Thomas Jefferson Planning District Commission expresses enduring gratitude and appreciation for the generous and faithful service provided to the TJPDC in this region by Chip Bowles. Commissioner Keith Smith of Fluvanna County said Boyles took over at a time when the TJPDC had opted to not renew the contract of a previous director. We were in a bad way. And, you know, just to do a 180, it was purely upon his skill, his leadership, and that funny accent he has. People apparently trust him. Who knew? Charlottesville City Councilor Michael Payne said he appreciated the comments from other TJPDC commissioners. I'm just incredibly excited uh, to work with Chip going forward, and I think there are really bright days ahead for Charlottesville and the region as a whole. Nelson County Supervisor Jesse Rutherford praised Boyle's optimism, but also made this threat in jest. Michael, (laughs) y'all, I'm just saying, my threat out there of saying that if this doesn't go well, we will ban all food products and beverages from going into Charlottesville. That's, that's a serious one, and y'all remember, whoever's the reporter in here, write that down. All right. Rutherford also sounded a more positive tone. We look forward to the success of Charlottesville. You know, that is not only important to Nelson County, but to the region. And I can't say this enough, but we've sent you our best. All right. One of TJPDC's achievements with Boyles in charge is the creation of the Regional Transit Partnership, a gathering of various agencies that has spent the last few years laying out the foundation for a more integrated system. Recently, the Virginia Department of Rail and Public Transportation awarded TJPDC a grant to help build more of the framework. Christine Jacobs will become Interim Executive Director of the TJPDC on Monday. 
This award is 175,000 for the development of a regional plan as recommended by the Regional Transit Partnership. There is a match for this of 175,000 to be provided both by Albemarle County and the city of Charlottesville over two fiscal year periods. This plan will involve coordination between Charlottesville Area Transit, the University Transit Service, Jaunt, and Albemarle County. The DRPT also awarded a $106,500 grant to TJPDC to study expansion of transit in Albemarle County. The county will have to pay half of that as a match. This study is to develop the financial feasibility of new transit services in three different areas, Route 29 North, Monticello, and Pantops area. The TJPDC also coordinates regional priorities for community development block grants. Applications to the Virginia Department of Housing and Community Development from non-urban localities are due on March 26th. As of the end of January, we've already been notified of one project in Louisa County for planning an infrastructure grant for affordable housing. We know of a Nelson County potential grant for downtown revitalization of Lovingston. We have Albemarle County acquisition and redevelopment for an affordable housing project. And Scottsville um, has a redevelopment project going on. The Virginia DHCD is now directly administering a rent and mortgage relief program to assist households during the pandemic. But the TJPDC was in charge of the program in the second half of calendar year 2020. Uh, We were awarded a total grant of $1.8 million for the region. 1.624 of that went directly to pay for rent and mortgage relief um, for qualifying families. That was 570 families in this region were served um, with an average of $2,000 rent per household. The state program is not covering additional mortgage payments at this time, but are still accepting applications for rent relief. Visit their website if you or someone you know needs assistance. Locally, the TJPDC has launched an online portal called Porchlight that allows people to find affordable housing opportunities. Here's the man of the hour, Chip Boyles. If you know people who have rental properties, direct them to our website and they can go directly to the site. Hopefully you you all can see this. Um, (laughs) And we need landlords to list their properties. It's free, it's easy. Nelson County Supervisor Rutherford said the COVID pandemic has brought a real sense of urgency about housing. Um, We're going to be doing some pretty hard soul searching in Nelson County and what it is we can do to get some economies in scale and some more dense uh, housing. Rutherford said he is aware that some newcomers to the area are choosing Nelson due to the provision of more broadband internet. He said he has a tenant who works in Crystal City and commutes twice a week. We're going to see some major culture changes in our workforce and in how we operate on a uh, on a business level. The Thomas Jefferson Planning District Commission will next meet on March 4th. Speaking of population and the changing demographics of the area, the Weldon Cooper Center at the University of Virginia has released its annual population estimates for localities across the Commonwealth. Albemarle County has grown by 11.7% since the 2010 census, with an estimated population of 110,545 as of July 1, 2020. 
The population of the city of Charlottesville increased by 13.8% to a population of 49,477. There are also increases in most other localities in the Thomas Jefferson Planning District. Fluvanna County jumped 5.9% to 27,202. Green County is estimated to be at 20,323, or an increase of 10.4%. Louisa County increased by 11.6% to a population of 37,011 people. Only Nelson County is estimated to have declined over the past 10 years, losing just over 100 people to 14,904. When added all together, the planning district as a whole increased 10.5% to a total population of 259,432. Other planning districts that experienced that level of growth include Northern Virginia with 13.5% growth, the Rappahannock Rapidan with 8.7%, the Richmond Regional at 10.6%, the Crater District at 7.7%, and the George Washington Regional Commission at 14.9%. The U.S. Census Bureau, however, organizes localities into metropolitan statistical areas. The Charlottesville MSA is similar to the planning district, with the exception that Louisa County is replaced with Buckingham County. When viewed that way, the Charlottesville MSA grew by 10.4%. Buckingham County remained flat in the Weldon Cooper estimate, with an increase of just 16 people. The U.S. Census results are expected to be posted later in the spring. You are listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and special thanks to all of the supporters who make it possible each and every day. And now, back to the program. Later on today, the Charlottesville Planning Commission will meet with the Charlottesville Planning Commission to discuss the Capital Improvement Program for the next fiscal year, which begins on July 1, 2021. Last week, Council discussed the proposed $160 million CIP for the next five years. When they adopt a budget in April, Council will only approve actual funding for fiscal year 22, but looking ahead to the full five-year period helps give budget planners perspective about what capacity the city has to incur more debt to cover capital projects. Chrissy Hamill is a senior budget analyst with the city. If you look at a, a sort of a 10-year history, you'll see that in 2012, our CIP was at $80 million. It ebbed and flowed um, till about 2017, um, and it, but we still hovered around the $80 million mark. Since 2018, um, the CIP uh, from 2017 to now this draft, uh, our CIP five-year plan has basically doubled. Hamill said council increased the amounts for affordable housing from $8 million in the 2012 five-year plan to $38 million in the current draft. Additional spending has also been allocated for education and transportation. Of those three priority areas, we've essentially added $94 million um, of funding to a plan. Of course, the big chunk being the 50 for the school reconfiguration. But I think it shows that in some respects with regard to the CIP plan, you know, we've put the money where, where our plan was, um, what our, where our priorities were. 
Um, but we've also done that without really taking anything away. A $6 million city contribution for a joint general district court with Albemarle County is in the plan, as is $10 million for a parking garage at 9th and Market Street to support the expanded courts complex. The draft CIP contemplates issuing $121 million in bonds over the next five years to fund some of the projects, including about $74 million in projects already authorized by previous councils. Hamill said that will come close to maxing out the city's debt capacity for the foreseeable future. It will also cost the city taxpayers more. If we get to a point where we're issuing um, $185, $195 million worth of debt, in this example, it's $185, the debt service doubles. So you're going to go from a debt service payment of roughly $11 million to a debt service payment of $22 million. That will likely require a tax increase to cover that additional payment or the equivalent reduction in spending. There is currently no tax increase anticipated for the next year, but Hamill said they would need to plan for one soon should they decide to proceed with a full capital improvement plan. Council made no major decisions at the work session last week, but did offer glimpses of their thoughts in a discussion. Councillor Payne said he would support deferring or canceling the $10 million for the parking garage and working to find another solution to guarantee parking for the courts complex. That's one of the requirements in the deal with Albemarle County. I think we really need to at least initiate conversations around um, are there ways to meet that courts agreement outside of a new parking garage um, of that size and cost, not abandon that agreement, meet it honor it, honor our relationship and commitments with the county, but see what we can do to reduce that cost there. Councillor Lloyd Snook said he was also willing to rethink the garage. I've been a real passionate defender of the of this parking garage, but I also, as someone who uses the parking garage that we have now, I'm looking around and seeing we don't have a demand for parking right now. Admittedly, things are slow because of COVID, but we don't know when things are going to come back. Payne said the city also needs to have a conversation about the full cost of middle school reconfiguration. Mayor Nakaya Walker said she and Councillor Heather Hill sit on a committee with two school board members who are working on the issue while a cost estimate is developed. That was a long discussion that unfortunately I can't get to in this particular podcast. Walker said that whatever the conversation, the focus must be on equity. She also said the city's spending on housing must be tracked. The city is currently without a housing coordinator, who left to join the Charlottesville Redevelopment and Housing Authority last August. How do we ensure, um, I think it was Jeff Levine, last time he was before us, said that there was still a vacant unit sitting in the West Main Street, um, his development there, because he couldn't find anyone to rent it. We're back to probably equity discussions there, too. Walker said she is also concerned about the future of the city's investment in Piedmont Housing Alliance's redevelopment of Friendship Court. We make decisions based on relationships and not based on like what people would do. We are taking taxpayers' monies and we're investing those dollars and we should have strings attached. Staff has recommended not proceeding with additional funding for the West Main Streetscape, which has a roughly $52 million cost estimate to implement a design plan that cost nearly $3 million in city funds to create. 
One councillor was ready to deprioritize local funds being used to move forward. I do see the value and vision. I just can't justify it as being a bigger priority than these other things. The West Main project was split into four phases in order to secure funding from the Virginia Department of Transportation. Local funding is required for phase one and phase two, but a third phase is being recommended for nearly $10.9 million in funding in the next smart scale round. I asked the Virginia Department of Transportation what would happen if council decides to cancel the first two phases. Phase three covers the area between the Drury Brown Bridge and Roosevelt Brown Boulevard. Here's a quote from VDOT spokesman Lou Hatter. The phase three application would not be automatically removed. It is a standalone project. From the process perspective, the city would need to pass a resolution requesting that its phase three application be withdrawn from consideration for funding. Hatter said if the city does drop phase three, the funding would go to the next highest scoring project in the Culpeper District, which would be a roundabout at the intersection of Route 522 and Route 20 in Orange. Councillor Snook said he did not want to make a decision about West Main at the work session, and consensus was reached to do so at Council's upcoming meeting next Monday. And that's it for this installment of the Charlottesville Community Engagement Newscast and Newsletter. Thank you very much for listening today, and hopefully you'll be back tomorrow with another installment. Hopefully I'll be back tomorrow with another installment of information that I think you need to know to understand what's going on in this community and how you can get involved. If you have benefited from this program today, please do consider making a financial contribution to Town Crier Productions in order for me to keep doing this for as long as I possibly can. There are many ways to do this. One way is to subscribe through Substack. It's a free service, but you can pay for more content, and uh, there will be more premium content in the future. Another is to pay for general research that I do through Patreon. Uh, You can see the links of these at the end of the newsletter. I also do take Venmo, and I also do take a check, although please do make it out to the company name, Town Crier Productions. Charlottesville Community Engagement is a production of Town Crier Productions because that's what I do, kind of like a town crier. Please be safe out there, and we'll be back tomorrow with another installment. Thanks for listening, and see you soon.